Hey everybody, welcome to Between the Lions, an oral history of the ongoing mission by the musical collective known as My Soul Among Lions to put all 150 psalms from the Bible to music, divided into bite-sized bi-weekly chunks. My name is Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host, lyricist, sometimes rejected lyricist for My Soul Among Lions. Today we are joined, once again, as we were a couple weeks ago, by Pastor Phil Moyer, one of, Hello. One of the architects of the project, wow. and another great contributor to My Soul Among Lions, lyricist, sometimes rejected lyricist, CEO of Warhorn Media, where My Soul Among Lions lays their weary head to rest, Jacob Metzl, Pastor Jacob Metzl. Hey, how you doing, Nathan? I'm doing well. Guys, today we are going to talk about a song that actually predates My Soul Among Lions, Psalm 1, How Blessed is the Man. Now, if people have the first album, My Soul Among Lions, did that album have a a name besides volume Psalms one, one, Psalms one through, through 10. ten. Ten, yeah, yeah. This song actually appears near the end of the album. Like we go through one through ten, and then we have some kind of I guess we have a bonus disc, a bonus like side. A B sides. Yeah. Although I think some of them are A sides, including mm. including this one. This is a, this is a really great song. This is the one that goes, "How blessed is the man who does not walk in the of the wicked." <laughs> and this song predates. My Soul Among Lions. Mm-hmm. So where did this song come from and what do you guys remember about it? I think it goes back to 2013. So My Soul Among Lions started 2015. So yeah, this song was written a couple years before that um, by Jody. So this was back in the days of the Good Shepherd Band. The Good Shepherd yeah. Band. Well, if you think about it, I mean, we we started out as more along the lines of like Indelible Grace and what was... Uh, was that down in Alabama, Red Mountain? Red Mountain music. You know, a part of the hymn revitalization mm-hmm. project that a lot of people were doing. Right. Moving away from a lot of the light, fluffy evangelical praise songs to rediscovering and revitalizing a lot of the old hymns. Mm-hmm. The next logical step for us as we began to develop in our church just a, a deeper theology and philosophy of worship was to turn to the Psalms. So this is one of the first attempts in that direction. What my Soul Among Lions came about after the guys had done several different psalm settings. Psalm 1, Psalm 10, psalm, uh, a couple... 130. In the, 130, one in the, sev- in the 70s. 76. Psalm 76. 8. There's a Psalm 8 that never a, actually made it onto a My Soul Among Lions album. Yeah, which but, was... We'll have to talk about... Right. Three, okay, but, Psalm yep. 3 and, and mm. Psalm 8. I think mm. both by David Pryor. No, eight was Jody, and how, how three that, was Pryor. How did three that go? by David Pryor was the one that was sort of set up as the standard for a long time of what a good psalm setting should be. Mm. Right. We'll talk about that when we get to Psalm 3, because the fun story there is that the Psalm 3 that you may know was in the reject pile for months and months and <laughs> yep. months because it didn't measure up in a lot of people's minds to David David's Psalm 3, which we'll probably just have to play for people on the mm. podcast. Yeah, I think right? I think we should. Yeah, it's funny how often that happens, though. You, I think we'll we'll end up talking a lot about. Well, we never liked this until it became the greatest thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> Psalm three is the greatest hit of. I mean, if you check all the stats, it's it's yeah. it's our biggie. It's our yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about. I mean, that song was in the reject pile for months. Right. I don't know how many times. I don't want to. I think Jake ahead. wants to talk about Psalm three. Well, well, I just want we'll everybody. Get to it. I want everybody to know that I'm the hero of the story, <laughs> right. who just kept insisting that that psalm was worth doing. Yeah. And, uh, Come on, you guys, we can do this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it stinks, no, Jake. Jake. <laughs> You're an idiot. No, I'm not. No, it's it's kind of great. <laughs> 
yeah, no, we, we, we will tell the stories and we will all be heroes and villains in our places in the, in this, uh, oh, I'll in, be a villain in the, for in, sure. in the ongoing saga. But today <laughs> we're talking about Psalm one. Well, I think part of the reason that that one ended up on a B side at the start is because the good shepherd band had a real rock and roll vibe yep. to it. Very and true. Psalm one was written with more of a rock and roll vibe. This particular Psalm 1 was written that more that direction. So was Psalm 10, uh, which predated the project. When we were trying to figure out you know, these songs, these psalms, these things that we were writing, a lot of what we were trying to do, actually build a project that had a cohesive feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was something that also felt approachable to people in smaller churches. Like, I could do this with the guitar. I could do this with just the piano. Right. Mm-hmm. And That was a when, huge concern for us is... Yeah, when you, when you do a great big rock song, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you can strip it all down to an acoustic guitar. It feels intimidating, like you can't live up to it without right. a full band. And not a lot of churches have that. Right. And mm-hmm. so we really wanted this project to feel as stripped down as as possible while still feeling compelling to feel like, hey, you can grab an acoustic guitar and do this Mm -hmm. sort of thing. What I remember becoming Mm -hmm. kind of a a weird, morbid talking point at the time was, one day you're going to die, Nathan. You're going to be laying on your deathbed and you're going to want to sing these songs. And if a full band has to come to the hospital, it's not going to work. You want a guy with an acoustic, you want the people around your deathbed to be able to sing these songs with an acoustic guitar. Or acapella. Or, or acapella, which, which is actually a pretty good way of thinking about it. I mean, it was funny. I, I remember we, we ended up just accepting this notion, which is a good notion to accept, that you want to be able to sing a, a, a song like this on your deathbed. And, and, and we would argue about, well, like, does this one work acapella? And in the back of our minds, it would always be like, when I die, are we going to be able to... We gonna be able to pull this off, and so it didn't feel like this one hit that standard, and so there was another attempt um, that we'll talk about in a couple weeks, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But this one, and then Psalm 10, the Psalm 10 of the album had to be really redesigned, yeah, right, exactly. rearranged mm-hmm. completely in order to to hit that vibe. And that we've since re released it as the full straight ahead rock song mm-hmm. that it was always meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think that listeners will appreciate because it's way better that way. Yep, agreed. But yeah, I think I think even the version on this album is still stripped down. It's not as rock and roll as yeah, I as mean, it, it was written. Right? <clears throat> it's got some. And the way that you did you did that is uh, sub out the electric guitar for the banjo, and uh, we didn't give it as much of a big drum, you know, yeah. backbeat going. It's still there. Well, even a is... lot of these songs, I think the logic, if I remember talking to Jody or you at some point about this, mm-hmm. was if all the songs have a build, so if it can start a cappella, if it can start acoustic, if it can start with just the piano, you can at least prove it can to prove people. that it can be done right. that way, and then we can build to something right. cool later and show all the things that this song can do. Right. So a lot of those songs, especially early songs, follow a similar building pattern mm. like that. And obviously we're not always successful at making the most singable song. No. We strive to and yeah, it's always think you'll find a handful that are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's important, especially when you're starting a project like this, you have to be careful to define who you are. You have to be self-controlled in a way that you actually don't have to later on. You can be you can allow yourself to be more elastic on the right. third album right. than you can on the first because on the third album everybody the standard has been set. And once the standard has been set, you can start to find creative and fun ways to deviate because you kind of know what your limits are and you know how far you can deviate before you have to come back. And you've learned what people respond to and what they don't. Right, precisely. Mm-hmm. So, 
So when you're starting out any kind of creative project, be it a novel, be it a TV show, be it a podcast, be it anything, you want to kind of establish the boundaries first, and then you can start having fun with those boundaries. So I think on this first album, I don't know if we went back to it that we'd do everything the same way. We might allow ourselves more license in certain places, but it was good at the time to just Mm -hmm. say, this is what it sounds like. This is what we're doing. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it Mm -hmm. folk Mm -hmm. and keep it playable for the mm-hmm. for people that are listening. I think it's one of the dark horses of the album though. Yeah, no, I, I Hi- love it. hiding away on that backside. I love <laughs> it. We sometimes sing this in church and I'm I'm always excited yeah. when it gets dusted off cuz I I just I just think it's a good song. And it's one of those songs that kind of sticks with me, gets caught in my head and then I'm like, how blessed, you know, in the law he meditates. I'll go through my week right. doing that and then right. I'll be like, I should meditate in the law. That reminds me. I should <laughs> I should read my bible. You know, it's it's one of the most in helpful other words, ones. It's helpful. Yeah, it's just well, it's helpful precisely because it's so simple and it's just got this repeated, hey, Nathan, don't forget to read your Bible. Don't forget to read. That's basically what yeah. the chorus does, which is really nice, <laughs> actually. Yeah. I think it might be worth noting just that in this psalm, you, you don't have a chorus necessarily that, that pops out at you. Right. You know, it's a six verse psalm, pretty much just straight through. Mm-hmm. You know, some psalms you might have a repeating section or something that just screams chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here we have, you know what Jody did was he he, he brought out that theme in mm. the law. You know, I'll meditate. And right. Yeah, that's a choice that Jody made yeah. that wasn't necessarily evident in the psalm itself. Well, the right. psalm's what six verses total. Yeah, it's 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 pretty simple. Choose those, making those kinds of choices. They are choices. Yeah, that's, they aren't always inevitable. It's one of the challenges, you know, of putting the psalms. If you if you just took it as it as it was, well, it might be a good hymn, um, but. To have something, you know, like you're saying, the, the you get this thing going in your head throughout the week in the law. Oh, I need mm. to meditate. You know, that'd be hard to do uh, without a chorus like that. And so it's it's one of the ways that we right. take some liberties. And well, that's that's, what, that's something that people need to be aware of. Is we have to make interpretive choices when we're setting these songs. And it would be easy to put out the press that says, you know, these are these are just direct, perfect encapsulations of what every psalm says in the Bible, and certainly that's the goal, but we're choosing, like, what is the emphasis in this psalm? What do we think? And so we have to use discernment, and you should use discernment as you listen to these things, and you should go back to the original psalm, and you should look at it, and you should think, huh, I wonder why they did that, and what they were mm-hmm. thinking, and, and mm-hmm. I, I, I think, hold us, hold us to a high standard. You can, you, you're allowed to go back to the Bible. You don't just you just have to accept that we we had it all figured out. And that's why we always say this, you know, part of why we're doing this podcast is to talk about the process and inspire other people to do the same thing and to do us one better and to write even better versions of the Psalms. Well, and I would say that even our philosophy has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, we started out really wanting every, really being being really stressed about making every single song as singable as, you know, this is really going to work great in corporate worship right. the way that we whatever our standards were. And part of what we discovered along the way is not everything that we thought was going to work great in corporate worship worked right. and things that we didn't think were going to work. And we're not going to come up with a definitive new Psalter. Right. What we need to do is write songs that we love, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. write treatments of these Psalms that we love, that we can at the least say, we love the Psalms. We love this song. And we think you should too. Right. And we hope they help you love the Psalms. Right. And we hope some of these, you can find your way to singing in worship. And I think that that 
allowed us to take a more humble workmanlike approach to this sort of thing and and a more creative approach and right. to do things, take take other kinds of risks. We know that this is never going to be sung in corporate worship, but that's okay. If somebody listening at home can love this psalm or understand it better mm-hmm. or be inspired to write the version for corporate worship, mm-hmm. then great. We've done our we've done our job. Mm-hmm. Yes. We we will we will get to some songs in this series that I think are, we will talk about how they're not really intended, but we'll let you think about that, dear listener. What what songs do you think we weren't intending for public worship? There's one that I can think of, and I'll give you a hint. It's like 10 minutes long or something like that. <laughs> Most awesome one. <laughs> and, and, and it's awesome. <laughs> one of my favorites, and it's going to be a long time before we get to talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> Take your guess. And we've done it in public worship, if I'm not mistaken, and it was awesome. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, you wouldn't just dust that one off on a, on a Sunday morning. Right. Anyway, let's uh, listen to How Blessed is the Man, Psalm 1. Thanks, guys. See you in a couple weeks. How blessed is the man who does not walk in counsel of the wicked And where the boastful sinners talk will he refuse to stand He doesn't join with men who scoff He dare not even sit among them But his delight is in God's law, it is his hope and prayer.
hey, if you like this song and you want to buy it, you can buy it on iTunes or Amazon or Bandcamp all over the place. You can go right now and listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music. Wherever you get your music, it's there. If you want charts, lead sheets, it's all available for free at clearnotesongbook.com. And if you want to support this work and get access to great new content as we write and produce new songs, go to patreon.com forward slash MSAL, where you can sign up for as little as a cup of coffee a month. And right now, for the entire month of October, every one-time gift at warwinmedia.com gets you two things. It gets you a download of Tim Bailey's latest book, Church Reformed, in all of its e-text variations. And it gets you the latest full-length album from My Soul Among Lions, Song of the King, Volume Volume 3, Psalms 21 through 30. So if you want all 10 of those Psalms, 21 through 30, and a full-length studio album package, right now, a one-time gift in any amount at warhornmedia.com. Go, make it happen.